Cape Talk. Bruce is on The Money Show. I met uh, tonight's How I Make Money guest on a webinar the other day, and he said something about being the sixth generation in a South African business. And I went, you're what? You're what? The sixth generation of a family business? And I was completely hooked. Most family businesses don't survive more than two or three generations. They don't survive the first generation generally. But if you do manage to build a family business, it gets passed down and then passed down again. You've done incredibly well. But to do that six times... Uh, suggests something quite remarkable. Jonathan Akats is the managing director of KZN-based Akats Real Estate. And you guys are really proud of the heritage, Jonathan. I've been going around your website and being taken into a time warp back to, I think, the 1850s. You are the oldest estate agents in South Africa. I think you prefer the term most established because oldest sounds out of fashion and sounds a bit um, a bit decrepit. But what, what kicked it all off? Who was the Akats who had the wisdom to set up a property business in KZN in the days of the Oxwagons. Evening, Bruce, and evening to the listeners. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm the sixth generation estate agent to run the family business, uh, which was established correctly, as you were saying, in 1851, just a little over 170 years ago, by my great-great-great-grandfather. Um, his name was Robert Akert, and he was, in fact, one of six Akert family members that uh, came down from the United Kingdom in those days to explore what South Africa has to offer. What was his motivation? I mean, what did he see in KZN in 1854 that prompted him to think, hold on a second, this, uh, you know, the, the, the transfer of property requires agency? Well, actually, they arrived in, you know, so in 1850 and he bought an existing auctioneering business um, in 1851. Ah, okay. And that uh, business, and he was is quite famously known for the first auction of sugar out of Port Natal. And it was the first locally manufactured sugar out of Port Natal. And as auctioneers in those days, they were entitled to obviously auction a lot of different things, including property, of course. Um, I think at the time what they were doing is, is um, jumping on ships and, and sailing around the world seeking other opportunities um, and, and South Africa was their destination of choice. Yeah, and clearly it made, made a go of it. I mean, did he formalize then? Did he move out of auctioneering and then formalize the creation of, of what would it have been called? Would it have been called an estate agency in those days? What, would, what was the nature of business that he engaged in in 1854 when he saw the property opportunity? Well, I think when, when his sons first joined the business, um, which was soon after, uh, the, the name that I have, and it's, it's depicted on a lovely um, piece of artwork um, of, of that first auction. You can see in the background um, uh, R. Akert and Sons. Um, so the name over the years obviously has taken um, a few different forms, uh, Robert Akert and Sons, uh, and then Akerts, and obviously what we call ourselves now Akerts Real Estate. And, and I just think that, that property in general was just a natural progression that we, we, we took, took to. Um, being a very proud sort of property family in Durban. Uh, another piece of history is my, my great-grandfather's brother, Ernest Akert, was actually the mayor of Durban uh, in the early 1900s. So we have a lot of history uh, in and around the, the greater Durban area. Uh, the trouble with family businesses is each generation delivers more 
uh, more family members and that can often kill a family business because it dilutes it to a point where uh, the family interest you know is is now across a hundred you know d- uh, descendants of the originator of the business how, how have you over the generations managed to to navigate that I, I do think that there was always a natural progression for for the the oldest son to to take over the business and we've had uh, an, a number of Akits, um sitting on boards of directors you know over 170 years the, the company's grown the company's shrunk depending on whatever uh, economic environment we were facing at the time um, if you think about things like world wars we've been through Spanish flu um, and more recently, um, you know, other economic, uh, dips, uh, COVID being my, my biggest, um, challenge that I've had to overcome. Um, but, but I just think, you know, growing up, I, I always knew that it was something that, that I wanted to do. Um, and, and the seventh generation, by the way, Bruce is my son, Joshua. And so hopefully one day he will follow in the footsteps. What if he doesn't want to? Because, I mean, that's one of the great problems, isn't it? I mean, if your name is Brosen or Gore, it doesn't necessarily mean you want to be grilling chicken or selling insurance. Um, what makes you think that uh, he, Joshua, will want to get into the property business? Or has he been, has he been schooled um, a bit like the royal family? <laughs> you will be the next king. Um, is, is it a fait accompli? Uh, I, I think that my, my father, who I also worked with, and my, my wife and stepmom, by the way, but, um, you know, my father famously said um, to my wife, who said, well, what if he wants to become a doctor? My dad said, well, then he's going to be the first doctor that, that runs uh, an acre real estate business. Um, <laughs> hey, it, worked for, it worked for the Goldings. I mean, yeah. Andrew and Goldings worked for Andrew. For and, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, exactly. I can honestly say, uh, I mean, I, I've got photos of, of show houses that, that Joshua and I have sat together um, at and, um, you know, being being involved in computers and, and that, which a 12-year-old would be, um, you know, he, he, he sort of spends a lot of time constructing worlds and that. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be the the route that he will take one day. It's- it's in the DNA, and there's no blimmin' choice. It really is. Um, so when when you look at uh, the evolution of this business, I was interested also to see that you've only got 20 franchises across the country. Now, you say the business has expanded and flexed and contracted in tough times and expanded in good times. Uh, have you deliberately chosen to keep it a fairly tight-knit group? Bruce, you know, every every 10 years, as you're aware, um, comes with certain challenges. And I think the the pre-2008-2009 crash, uh, we were up to 125 franchises. If oh, I my word. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, and, and we were confident, confidently, we can say that we were one of the 10 top real estate companies in the country. Um, I, I, I love the ability as as uh, being a 100% acre-owned company without any international um, influence that we are able to to grow and shrink and investigate different aspects of real estate. Uh, for example, the property management and body corporate division, which I started back in 2016, um, we, we have that ability to explore new opportunities. I've also been to... Um, to Mauritius, as an example, and explored that for South African buyers. So I have that ability, and 
yes, I, I, I like the um, I like the flu- being fluid like that. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that it had actually been that big, but I suppose that was during an era where everybody who could afford a signboard was, you know, leaving a mainstream agency and creating their own agency because in the booms of property, it's an incredibly attractive thing to not have to give away half your commission uh, to a franchise. You, you know, you get to keep the commission and that gives you a lot more flexibility as an agent and lots of very smart agents have created very successful offshoots of their own over time. It, it is a wonderful industry to be in. We are highly regulated, of course. Um, and I think even, well, I believe even in the post-2009 um, uh, sort of phase of our, our business, you know, we, we had to adapt to a new market. And you you're, you're also know that we have the new Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority, and there are very stringent um, rules that we need to, to comply with as a company, um, almost uh, I would say too too strict, preventing new entrants into the market, um, and and I say that um, it was supposed uh, you know, to open up the market, wasn't it? I mean, it was supposed to bring in particularly black entrants into the market and make it uh, a, a more seamless transition without the onerous time periods to study and all sorts of other stuff. There was a, almost a fast track created, and you say that it's actually made it more difficult. It's it's. More difficult because of, of, of the, the, the required compliance. And as a franchise company, you know, we have a dedicated team that uh, is constantly in contact with the property practitioners authority. And, you know, their job is to ensure that our estate agents or property practitioners, as they're known, um, are, are compliant with the regulations. I can understand for someone wanting to begin a real estate company um, that that could be a hurdle that they'd have to overcome. Um, and, and therefore, the, the benefit of being part of a, a franchise company um, is, is evident. Uh, property is a tough game. I mean, 20 years ago, prices were low and commissions were high. Now prices are high and commissions are low. And uh, I guess uh, you know, there, it was a time not so long ago where commissions on uh, on properties were 7% and nobody would blink and that was the going rate. And now it's considerably more negotiable. But that adds a level of complexity, doesn't it, to the process of ensuring the agent gets commission, that the agency gets its cut and that all of the taxes are paid ultimately. You know, Bruce, when, when you're 173 years old, um, like we are, um, I can confidently say that our business is built on relationships and it's built on trust. And when you have that as, as a foundation for a, a business transaction, such as a real estate sale, uh, you are in a position to, to command a fee that is, is worthy of your services. Um, you know, when it comes to pricing as, um, an example, properties will only ever sell for the price that a purchaser is willing to pay in, in a normal market. So um, you, you, you may find that properties are overpriced or the majority of properties may be overpriced on the market. But at some point, hopefully, the, either the market catches up or those, those sellers realize that to, to, if they're serious about selling, they need to bring the pricing back in line with, with what the market is dictating. Um, but especially being uh, heavily or closely watched by the banks, the banks would not let us obviously sell property for a price that's above what they believe to be a fair market value.
And SARS won't allow you to sell one for less because they uh, we want to collect their, <laughs> their their duties, of course, on on property transfers. So how do you make money? I mean, you make it you, you share in the commission of the agencies that are part of your network. But then the the bits and that's the bit of the business that you started because every generation will bring new ideas into it, and that's property management because so many people in South Africa nowadays live in sectional title, they live in homeowners associations, live in complexes, and these. Places are fraught with complexity and lots of regulation and laws and bodies, corporate and trustees, and all sorts of stuff that need, I think, in my experience anyway, to be guided and themselves to be managed and be told what they can and can't do. You know, it's, it's so true. And I, I think we're fortunate that property management, as an example, is something that we've done um, quite successfully over the years. And, and the recent, let's say, re-entry into property management was a strategic move by ourselves um, to complete uh, the ecosystem of being able to manage properties as well as do the rental management and the sales. So we've created our own um, uh, ecosystems that, that each where each point feeds the other. Um, I, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would I have gone uh, I, would you go into property management? I would have said, Bruce, you're absolutely crazy, um, and and you need to to be admitted. But <laughs> in the past eight years, um, I, I've actually really found my niche in in real estate, um, being a sectional title specialist and and working with body corporates and and trustees. I just find that it's you know when you when you have these conversations around budgets and and uh, how to spend your money wisely. You, you, you again build that trust relationship, which then translates into uh, further transactions such as rental management and, and property sales as well. So what does your day look like? I mean, we, we like to talk about, uh, you know, career choices and how people can make good career choices and stuff. Poor Joshua doesn't have a, have a choice. Um, but uh, what does your day look like in terms of um, the, 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 the oversight of an entire property business, which, you know, for which you are ultimately have fiduciary responsibility? Bruce, my, my journey began uh, quite a few years ago um, when I realized that to be successful, I had to be an entrepreneur. And to do that, I had to, to, to study entrepreneurship. And so I consider myself a scholar of entrepreneurship. And uh, one of the first books I ever read, which you'll know, is Richard Branson's Losing My Virginity and How He Starts at the Virgin Brand. Uh, and that sort of starts my, my understanding of what it means to to be an entrepreneur. And typically my Definition would have been an entrepreneur as a business owner. Um, these days, that definition has, has changed somewhat. Uh, and I would define it as being an individual who finds uh, a, a, another individual that has a problem and they come up with a solution to that problem. You know, in the case of, of property sales, anyone is entitled and able to sell their own home, whether they do it for the highest price in the shortest possible space of time. You know, with the least effort, that's, that leaves a, a big question mark for me. So that's the problem we're solving there. Um, the other part, and, and, and being an entrepreneur, I know that, that I, I can't reach my, my goals um, without good, solid teams, reliable teams. So I can honestly say that our success has been built on the shoulders of reliable uh, team members, 
our, our admin staff, our agents, and, and our head office staff as well. Uh, and it's yeah, absolutely critical. I mean, are you a proponent of the higher, smarter than yourself or higher, more capable than yourself? Um, I, I, I think you, I know you love a good quote, so let me use one. Um, Albert Einstein said that if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will go through <laughs> life thinking. There was something about a fish and a bicycle or something along those lines. But I, Some, I think the something along those lines. So, you know, the, the point is, is that we all possess um, different different skills and we're wired in different ways. You know, and I, I may be great at certain things such as strategy and business growth, um, but my, I'm, I'm ably assisted by my, my lovely wife who, who looks after the finances of the business and makes sure that all the bills are paid. So, you know, having people to rely on allows me to focus on the things that I'm good at and then at the same time they get to, to, to work on the things that they really enjoy doing on a daily basis. Through the generations, has it also has it been a sort of a spousal enterprise, or are you the first generation? I mean, you said your stepmom's involved, um, you know. But it, when did women sort of get involved in the business? If this was a business that was passed down from father to son, I think if I was sitting with you, I'd see a big can opener on your desk there with you, Bruce. Um, <laughs> I, I think women have been involved in real estate for many, many years. My grandfather. Was was known um, obviously for for the saying uh, his secretary was a lady by the name of of Baba and he would get her to to write um, you know he would dictate and she would write down um, in in that fancy shorthand writing. Um, I do think that you know with the involvement of my stepmom being the fin- previous financial director and my wife um, that we've really embraced that the the family business um, aspects. Uh, However, I mean, working with family, and, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, you do need to have your own little piece of real estate where you respect the, the roles and responsibilities of each of the family members. Yeah. Um, you know, otherwise you can easily butt heads. No, absolutely. A very few businesses make it past one generation, never mind two, never mind three, never mind making it to six and now to seven. What, is, what has been the secret? Has there, to your mind, in terms of actually a multi-generational business surviving in one of the more tempestuous business environments in the world, which is South Africa, and certainly a very volatile and complicated and uncertain environment, has there been a, a consistency through the generations? Bruce, you know, I, I, I've, I, I've, I've come up with a, a combination of two words, and I've made one which I think is, is the best description of, of what it takes to be successful from generation to ger- generation, uh, and that's resilinacity, uh, the combination of resilience and tenacity. <laughs> okay. You know, um, it's, it, I guess it's, it's too easy to, to, to sit back and, and rest on the, on the successes of the previous generation. So looking back, I think each generation's, you know, we're very fortunate to, to have uh, started off, um, with the success of the previous, but then it is definitely our responsibility to take that to the next level, which I think we're doing. Yeah, I mean, you owe it to future generations to grow. 
um, the, the the enterprise, isn't it? Because ultimately, I mean, you know, each generation is going to have added responsibilities, and is particularly if there's a growth ambition to go back to us, you know, in the next property bull market, of which there will be one someday. Um, you know, to get back to the 125 franchises, go beyond it, and 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 you know, be a next generation of bold expanders on of the business. Yeah, I think franchising, anyone who is involved in franchising knows the, the the challenges that come with franchising, especially when you have a brand that's attached to your, your name. Uh, it becomes a very personal thing. Um, you know, uh, uh, Colonel Sanders maybe wouldn't understand that. But, you know, I think franchising had a boom over the over the, the, the early 2000s. Um, but I think in, in the 2010s, it's we've taken a bit of a beating. However, I, I do see a turnaround. Um, and I see, again, more and more people turning to franchise companies with proven track records and systems uh, that they don't have to reinvent the wheel, that they can just hop on and, and, and go for a ride. So, uh, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, it's uh, swings and roundabouts. And, and I think we're entering the next, the next turn in real estate. We certainly hope so. Jonathan Akert, thank you for sharing the tale with us this evening. Managing Director at Akert's Real Estate, the sixth generation, the seventh being teed up to take over already at the age of 12. Yeah, running family businesses, incredibly complicated, of course, particularly in something as volatile as property in a volatile South African environment.